0: Welcome to San Diego Sessions. We're here today with bassist and composer Sean Hickey.
1: san diego sessions san diego's jazz podcast featuring local artists new releases and more here are your hosts ian tordella and ed kornhauser
2: thank you for tuning in to san diego sessions We had a few technical difficulties with the audio this time around, so I hope you'll bear with us. Here's episode 51, our interview with Sean Hickey. Welcome to San Diego Sessions, episode 51, 51 episodes, and we're here talking about the jazz scene in San Diego. I'm your host, Ian Tordella.
0: And I'm your other host, Ed Kornhauser.
2: And we're here today with a young voice on the San Diego jazz scene, bassist, And composer Sean Hickey. Hello. Good morning. Thanks for coming down. Thanks for having me. Before we get into Sean's music, we have our usual top of the show segment, and this is called This Versus That.
0: A.K.A. Inane Banter.
2: A.K.A. Inane Banter.
0: Feel free to jump in if the spirit doth move you.
2: Feel free to jump in, Sean. But these are questions for Ed Kornhauser. He will have to pick one and only one. And I really slacked off last, last, uh, Episode two weeks ago, so this week I'm on top of it. Oh snap! I've done my my I'm, a little bit of research.
0: I'm scared now. That's. <laughs> I think that's a, that should be our tagline.
2: <laughs> All right, uh, we're going old school first. Uh, one of the first virtuosos on saxophone, specifically soprano saxophone, Sidney Bechet, mm-hmm. versus a very unique drummer, one of the rare guys who spanned early jazz. He worked with Benny Carter, Fletcher Henderson, and Louis Armstrong, but also went into the bebop era, Big Sid Catlett. Oh wow. Who tragically died only at age 41. He died in
0: 1951. Oh wow. Yeah. I never I guess I didn't realize he spanned such a such a like a, a sea change in jazz.
2: Yeah, he, uh some of his early recordings were in the late
0: 20s. So Wow. Okay, I didn't realize that. Wow. That's wow. That's really cool. Um. You know, I gotta go with uh. I gotta go with uh. Oh shoot. Now I'm blanking on this name. I need more coffee. Sidney <laughs> no No, no, no. Uh, big Sid Catlett. Big Big Catlick. I've Catlett. Catlett. I have yeah. heard that name. Sorry, it's just a funny name. Did it didn't pop, up, pop pop up in up my head? <laughs> yeah, because I've always admired players who can do that, who who change with the times and who continue to grow as musicians who don't just get set in their ways you know it's like it's like roy haynes still yeah. you know Those recordings of him playing with charlie parker in the 40s and he's playing now he sounds like a kid he's just
2: oh yeah and sid i mean he was there at the beginning of bebop like he was probably playing on one of those huge 24 inch bass drums or bigger yeah like when roy haynes said he went to the 20 inch bass drum that uh that was like unheard of he said I was here, well, listening to an interview, but he said the normal bass drum at that time was like 24 or 26 or something. Anyway, I digress. All right, next up, uh, a pianist who played with Joe Henderson later on and also worked as a sideman for Christian McBride and the Marsalis Brothers. Of course, he's still with us. Pianist Stephen Scott versus uh, the man, the legend, multi-instrumentalist, uh, Los Angeles icon, who has worked with uh, our friend Gilbert Castellanos and was also one time band leader on the Pat Sajak show. Oh, wow. Saxophonist Tom Scott. Oh, wow. Sean just has a faraway look in his eyes. All that knowledge that just got dropped on it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Pat Sajak. Uh, <laughs>
2: I don't think that was an option.
0: Oh, I made it an option. No.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, it was an ill-fated show. I think they only did a few episodes.
0: Right. That's. Cool. I always like the concept of a band on a show like that. Um, yeah, I'm going to go with Tom Scott, though.
2: All right, Tom Scott. Uh, and the last, the very last but not least, um, organist Lonnie Smith who has worked with everybody? But there's a great video of him on YouTube, and George Benson is his guitarist. A very wait, young George Benson. Wait,
0: I'm, I'm, wait, I'm sorry. Are you talking about Doctor Doctor Lonnie Smith?
2: Lonnie Smith, Doctor, not Lonnie Liston Smith. Doctor Doctor Lonnie Smith. Lonnie Smith. Yeah, yeah. It's verses. Yeah, con- Wadada Leo Smith. Oh man, trumpeter, and uh, I think he's in residence at Cal Arts up in where are they? Valencia.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh man. Well, this is a very easy one for me. Uh Dr. Lonnie Smith. I love he's like the last of the great soul jazz organists. He I've seen him three times now. He he builds solos like no one's business. Like he just keeps going and going. It's it's almost this sort of spiritualistic mantra thing, the way he kinda builds his solos, not just you know, plays this thing that goes on. It's his it's his building process. Anyway, I'm rambling, but he's amazing. I've seen him bunch of times most recent it was a bunch of years ago but it was him um jonathan kreisberg on guitar and a really young drummer i can't remember it was like three generations of musicians and because they're all were each were like 15 to 20 years apart in age and it was an incredible incredible group yeah he's he's amazing wow love dr line
2: so you got to see this youtube footage with him and george benson i won't put it up as a link in the show notes uh, you no, can he's, check it out later. He's, what he, did I say? I won't put it up?
0: Yeah. He's he's an incredible musician and also uh, likes to wear colored turbans, which is really cool. Different colored turbans. You got to get into that. All yeah, right. Exactly.
2: Before we go to all, Not too, cultural too, too much off the all. rails, that was the 51st edition of Inane Banter, a.k.a. This Versus That. But once again, uh, we are here with our guest, Sean Hickey, and we are going to hear, speaking of uh, mantras, we're going to hear the title track from his new record, Sunflower Sutra. I'm here with bassist, composer, Sean Hickey. And I'm also here with pianist, composer, and international man of mystery, Ed Kornhauser. Not that mysterious, am I? <laughs> it's pretty mysterious. I was playing some nose piano last night.
0: I was playing some nose piano. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I was I, I, coming off a little round of food poisoning. And I was on my second gig yesterday, and I was just at the end of my rope. So I just started playing piano with my nose. My, Is that
2: like nose flute? Sort different.
0: There's no air involved, just, uh, just brute noses. force.
2: <laughs> okay, before you hit the unsubscribe <laughs> button, we were listening to Sean's tune, Sunflower Sutra. And this is off your new record, and we were talking while we were listening. Um, you just put out a video for this.
3: Yes. Um, so, sorry, the time the time difference here right. is... By the is time this will out. have been. The video is already yes, out the now. Vi- the video is out now.
0: Sean, you're living in the past.
3: I am
2: living in the past. This is, this is pretty trippy. And you can, ch- if you want to see the whole tune and see the pretty trippy video effects, you can check that out on Sean's website. There's a link. That's Sean Hickey, with an e. dot com.
0: Uh, so where and when did you record these?
2: Uh, so hmm. I recorded these
3: um, kind of mid July, and that was at Rarified in North
0: Park. Yeah, cool. That's a great little little studio, kind of. Tucked away behind the house, but uh, yeah. got great gear. We've done sessions there. Mm-hmm. Ian yes. from both behind the board and behind the saxophone.
2: Yeah. And full, well, full disclosure, I helped I helped assist uh, engineer Chris Hobson set up Sean's session and get everything line checked. And Yeah. So it's great to hear these tunes now.
0: So who's all uh, joining you on this?
3: So there's Louis Valenzuela on guitar. There's Matt DiBiase on vibes. And there's Julian Cantelm on drums. And then there's also Camelia Aftahi playing uh, upright bass on a track.
0: Oh, right on double double bass. Yep, du- double double bass. And
3: playing electric on that one. Oh, um, cool. So yeah,
0: that's neat. Yeah, two different timbers. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, what made you? I mean, besides that that special track, what made you choose the instrumentation on this?
3: Um, I don't know. I've, I've played with. I played with Matt. Um, met him at a jam session a while ago, and just really loved the the vibe that he brought to everything same with louie and the way that vibes and guitar blend together is something that you really don't get in a lot of records mm. and also as a bass player um it's those instruments don't quite overpower the low range in the same way that a piano can
0: sometimes that's true i mean a piano has a massive range and the yeah. bass is partic- particularly it speaks like really really well and cons- you have to kind of be nuanced a little bit to not step on the bass player's feet
3: yeah and and with uh with it being my record and everything it just the the way that the the frequencies all slotted out it, it
2: works really nicely yeah yeah I never thought of that from from a balanced perspective um
0: no it's true the piano they often say it's like you've got the whole orchestra there and it's true because you've got this massive range and a good piano will really speak in all in all ranges and so you got to be you got to know when to how to fit in mm-hmm. you can't clutter up too much you can't play too too low when there's other low stuff going on otherwise it's going to sound like mud
2: and we're incredibly biased towards mallet players on this podcast so yes any album with mallets on it and (laughs) we're we're here for you
0: we've had uh actually we've had matt on the podcast we've had matt dibiase and louis true and we've heard julian on many a track um how did you link up with these guys in the in the first place
3: um i i just met them at various jams Mm. um Louis went to sdsu way back when um but i kind of approached them all uh independently and asked them all to play on my senior recital and we played a lot of the music that's on the album there and that was kind of the first chance to really bring this all together
0: and did you compose uh all of the music on this record yeah very cool nice in in terms of your writing, who are some of your your bigger influences?
3: Um, really, really a big fan of Ben Wendell and Linda O. Um, I'd say that between those two, that's really where the bulk of my uh, compositional inspiration comes from.
2: Nice. And of course, Ben. Well, Ben's a saxophonist and Linda O is an Australian bass player, but they've collaborated on yes. both of the past two Linda O records. But when you mentioned the track that uh I was checking out yesterday with the electric bass and upright bass that definitely reminded me of Linda O because mm-hmm. she's a, a wonderful electric player too. Yeah. So
0: so did you write most of these tunes while you were at STSU, I imagine?
3: Yeah, um there's there's one track on there that I wrote after graduating, but I recorded this so soon after graduating that that's really all the time that I had to compose.
0: Oh, wow, brilliant. Nice. It's a good it's a, it's a great sounding like group of tunes and group of players it's a cool record thanks do you um was there like an overarching kind of concept you wanted to like explore with this
3: um yes um I, I think a lot of it is more abstract than you could put into into words um but a lot of a lot of what i was trying to explore was kind of unique harmonic soundscapes mm-hmm. like I, I love taking really familiar sounds and just tweaking them just a little bit, um, making it sound al- almost like like you're listening to music from a different world or something. Huh. That's kind of how I, I think about it sometimes when I'm sitting down to write. And I
2: I followed that process a lot for a lot of the tunes in here. Very cool. Yeah, and I, th- I mean, when I was listening, the way the, the vibraphone and the guitar, oops, the way the vibraphone and the guitar fit together it it sort of tweaks your ear, and the way those guys are are working around the edges of your compositions and getting into the harmony, I don't know. It's a very interesting sound, and sometimes you don't know what sound that that comping the chord is coming from. You're like, is that the vibes? Is that the guitar? Is yeah. it something sustaining? Go, is going it an through effect? the going so. through the
3: mixing process for this was really was really weird because um, you you actually couldn't tell what some of the things were like the um, julian and and Matt and Louie, everything that they did just blended together and it it really just made the tune come alive than anyone's individual musicianship being bursting forward from this
0: huh that's great like the some of your parts were wait what what's the expression I'm trying to say uh You were greater than the sum of the the sum of your parts is greater than you were individually is what I'm trying to say.
2: The whole was greater than the sum of the parts. (laughs) That's what I mean.
0: That's what I can't speak to today.
2: (laughs) Um, So being in San Diego, this is a town that's like, I think we're super heavily stacked with upright bass talent. So uh, being one of the younger guys, who are some of your teachers or some of your inspiration just on the bass? Well,
3: I studied with Bob Magnuson. I was a saxophone player for a very long time before that um, but I really really look up to playing of Rob Thorson and Mac Layton um, and of course Bob uh,
2: but yeah there's 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 so many great bassists here it's it's kind of crazy um, well of course Magnuson is one of my favorite bass players in town and and now he's almost retired or he mm-hmm. does play a few gigs last time I talked to him he said no, I'm retired and I said, well no I know you're doing some gigs but Unfortunately, he has really bad
0: arthritis, and he did say he did give his supposedly last public performance a few weeks ago.
3: Oh, what? I didn't realize that. At
0: Point Loma University, did you not hear about that? I didn't hear about that. Yeah, he did like a trio thing. He said this is like my last like public. Wow. Show. Did yeah? Sorry. Oh Sorry, wow. Be, I mean, well- yeah, yeah. This was very recent. This is about two or three weeks ago.
2: Yeah. Well, the thing about Bob that a lot of people don't realize is he. You know, he, he was a great sideman and he worked with Ella Fitzgerald and um, he's worked with Benny Golson and Art Pepper, but he is such a methodical teacher and he really knows like the classical side of mm-hmm. the bass, right? This yeah. is from friends like, I've known and he he makes people get with the bow and really learn the bass, not just how to be an accompanist. Mm-hmm. He always talks about all these classical bass teachers that he had
3: and he... I don't know if he ever took jazz bass lessons. I don't think he did. He always... He he learned classical bass and then he he learned jazz on the bandstand.
0: Yeah, and he he took classical bass. He took jazz bass lessons with Buddy Rich, basically.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Not bad. So speaking of classical stuff, uh, you've recently been writing some bass duets. You featured one on this record, I believe.
3: Yeah, so that was kind of a first attempt at um, having two bassists play on the same tune. And um, Camelia really plays well on that tune. Uh, she's great to play with. But it's it's a really it's really strange not composing jazz. I feel like I can almost get away with being really lazy when I write jazz hmm. because I can count on people to improvise a ton of stuff over it.
0: I love bringing in tunes that I just have like sketches of to people and then like, hey, I trust you, just do some stuff. And then they'll do something that I could would never have thought of. I'm like, oh, man, it's great. Real mm-hmm. great. Composing is fun. But, but this is different. This is more of a challenge. You have to...
3: Yeah. And then also just um, playing as a duo... There's a lot more responsibility on you uh, because there's there's no one to hide behind. There's no one to support you. It's just two people playing off of each other. Uh, so it's
2: it's definitely a unique compositional and performing challenge. And is there some, of course, is there some improv built into these as well? Or are some of them purely just written out? There's some improv built into them on my parts. Um,
3: not so much on Camellia's parts, but... For the most part, it is very much through
0: composed. Are they kind of in a in at least um, texturally sort of like a jazz vein or more classical or somewhere in between, somewhere other?
3: Um, definitely leaning more towards jazz, or at least towards the sort of music that I typically write.
0: Are there any notable bass duet compositions or composers that have influenced you? I mean, I, I imagine there's not a, there's, a ton of that there's repertoire. There's really
3: not that many um, bass duets written. Um, I know that... I think Harvey S wrote a couple of jazz ones, but those are, um, if I'm remembering correctly, those are really just straight ahead jazz sounding. Right. Um, more like more like an, an etude or a transcription.
0: Dragon um, Eddie did it write anything way back in the day?
3: i I mean, I'm sure that there's stuff. There's yeah. um I, I'm blanking on his name now, but someone wrote like a series of seven or eight of them, mm. little small uh double bass pieces, but it's uh I mean, it's a weird instrumentation. Um. Yeah, writing for two basses is. Uh, I don't know if anybody wants to hear it, uh, but there certainly aren't that many people writing
2: it. Bass players want to. Yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but speaking of of weird duets and like hybrid classical stuff, have you seen the the videos? Maybe they're from about twenty years ago of Edgar Meyer and Bella Fleck. I've seen. I've seen some
3: of the stuff. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of the stuff that Edgar has done with Chris Thile. Yeah, um, I'm really hip to that. I'll have to check out the stuff with uh, Bela Fleck.
2: I have not heard the Chris Thiele stuff.
3: I have um,
0: seen the two of them live together, just duo. That was an incredible concert. Yeah.
2: Um, So with these new bass duet compositions you've written, do you have uh, plans to record them yet? Are you still kind of developing them? (laughs) I'm
0: I'm
3: still developing them. Uh, Right now, the biggest challenge is just figuring out how to write them because it's so different from anything that I've ever done before. So once that's done, recording it will be no problem.
2: But luckily, since you play bass, you can uh, just overdub yourself.
3: I've been finding that I'm I'm way more uh, productive if I just open up a session of Logic and just record myself noodling over things. Hmm. Uh, It's working out really well as far as compositional process.
0: I wrote that whole tune. I wrote a whole tune of mine uh, from one time when before as we were starting this podcast. I was messing around on the roads in the other room while Ian was twi- uh, messing around with the delay pedal and just goofing and overdriving right. the amp and then I' improvised this thing while Ian took a video just to sort of show off his roads and show off the funky little delay pedal he had and his cool boutique amp and uh and I played this too, and then like eight months later, I found this video i'm like hey i'm I'm actually like playing like a form and I, with a melody itself i'm like and I transcribed yeah. it, and I only had to tweak it just a hair. So you had to
2: transcribe your own tune.
0: Yeah, exactly. I'm like, this is neat. We've done it a couple times. It's fun. We also used the drum machine from Ian's little Yamaha thingy.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. If, if you want to see that, you can check out my Instagram at Dirty Boulevard Recording.
0: Lo-fi, dude. Lo-fi. Actually, I don't know. Something like that on Instagram. It's on It's on my thing from way back when. <laughs> Lo-fi, Well, speaking
2: baby. of original compositions, we're going to get back to your new record that's coming out soon. Um, this next tune is called today was better. Uh, could you give us a little background on this one?
3: I um, originally um, wrote a tune called Today I Cried, um, but that w- tune wasn't as good. Um, and, and this one, it had a melody that was just floating around my head for the longest time, and it it just took maybe like six months of just noodling with the bridge to finally make things work.
1: You're listening to San Diego Sessions. Subscribe on iTunes or listen online at DirtyBoulevardRecording.com.
5: Joe and here's your jazz forecast for November 5th through the 18th. As always, here are the regular happenings. On Mondays, guitarist Louis Valenzuela hosts his regular jam session at Rosio Grady's in Normal Heights from 9 p.m. to midnight. No cover and it's 21 and up. On Tuesdays, the Havana jam goes from 8 p.m. to midnight at Prohibition. On Wednesdays, Gilbert Castellanos hosts his long-standing Wednesday night jam session at Panama 66. Music is from 8.30 to 11.30 p.m. Come early to hear the Young Lions play from 6 to 8 p.m., featuring up-and-coming musicians from around San Diego. Every Friday, flutist Holly Hoffman presents Jazz Happy Hour at the Handlery Hotel from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. No cover, and your parking is validated. On November 9th, drummer Nathan Hubbard brings his trio in, featuring Kevin Jones on guitar and Harley Magsino on bass. On the 16th, Los Angeles tenor saxophone legend Charlie Owens performs with pianist Mike Wofford, bassist Marshall Hawkins, and drummer Richard Sellers. Also on Fridays, Gilbert Castellanos presents Jazz at the Westgate, an intimate series in the Plaza Bar at the beautiful Westgate Hotel. Music is from 8 to 11 p.m. On Saturdays, vocalist and guitarist Steph Johnson and friends also play at the Westgate Hotel from 8 to 11 p.m. Now here are the jazz highlights for the coming week. Friday, November 9th. Pianist Mikan Zlakovich and trombonist and local weatherman Dave Scott play at Vins in Escondido at 6 p.m. Trombonist Matt Hall's group presents a bebop explosion at Dizzy's. Music starts at 8 p.m. Cover is $20 or $15 for students. Sunday, November 11th. Bassist Justin Grinnell and his quintet present a tribute to pianist Hampton Hawes at Grossmont College from 6.30 to 8 p.m. Tickets are $10 general, $8 for faculty and seniors, and $5 for students. Tuesday, November 13th. Alto saxophonist Christopher Holliday and his Telepathy Quintet perform for Jazz Live at the Seville Theater on the City College campus, featuring Gilbert Castellanos on trumpet, Joshua White on piano, Rob Thorson on bass, and Tyler Cretel on drums. Music begins at 8 p.m. Get tickets or you can listen from home at jazz88.org. Friday, November 16th. Euphoria Brass Band plays some traditional and funky New Orleans jazz at Park and Rec from 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. You must be 21 or older. Saturday, November 17th. Singer Erica Davies and pianist Ed Kornhauser play at Panama 66 from 6 to 8 p.m. Right next door, trumpeter Gilbert Castellanos presents Portraits and Jazz, the music of Thelonious Monk at the San Diego Museum of Art. Music is from 7.30 to 9.30 with Gilbert on trumpet, Tidro Savory on tenor sax, Theo Saunders on piano, Henry Franklin on bass, and Marvin Smitty Smith on drums. Tickets available online. At Dizzy's, the Joshua White Trio Plus One presents new original music with Joshua on piano, Dean Hewlett on bass, Tyler Cruttrell on drums, and Kamau Kenyatta on soprano sax. Music starts at 8 p.m. and cover is $20. Sunday, November 18th. There's a jazz jam session at Aztec Brewing in Vista featuring Charlie Chavez. Music kicks off at 5 p.m. It's Sassy Sunday at the Turf Club with vocalist Lorraine Castellanos from 8 to 11 p.m.
2: And welcome back to San Diego Sessions. We're coming to you from Dirty Boulevard Recording Company in an undisclosed location right outside of downtown San Diego.
0: Don't worry, I won't disclose your house.
2: Home studio. I'm oh, no. sorry. sorry. <laughs> it's multi-purpose. It's a, <laughs> it's a studio. No, it, uh, it is.
0: It really is. It's not just uh, <laughs> uh, you know a laptop on the coffee table. Here.
2: Although we are in the living room, so we get this extra boomy, echoey sound. We just heard Today Was Better, and right after that, we heard Youth with our jazz calendar. And both those compositions are by our guest, Sean Hickey. And for all our listeners out there, if you want to see some extras from the show, some pics and videos, you can follow us on the Instagrams, our handle is at San Diego Sessions Podcast.
0: And if you like us, head on over to the iTunes there and give us a quick uh quick run through, check out some episodes, maybe subscribe. Hey, if you like us and, if, and oh oh if you really like us, maybe leave us a nice review, some stars, whatever. But if you don't, you know, just you could stay away. It's cool. It's cool. We don't need to be like that, right? No, it's fine. It's good. We're good. <laughs> uh and also check us out on uh Spotify. We're uh, Spotify's getting in the podcast game as well. So you can check out all our episodes there.
2: Yeah, you can grab us right on Spotify. You don't have to go to your podcast app. You can just get us right in the Spotify browser. Easy Anyhow, b-
4: easy breezy beautiful. And Spotify. we're on the,
2: we're on the Facebook of course, but if you want to contact us, if you have grievances to address, uh um you want to serve us with a lawsuit or if you want to be a guest on the show or Maybe even a guest host on the show, maybe and,
0: even everything yeah, a guest <laughs> editor
2: you can you can drop us a line. we have an email it is s d sessions podcast at gmail dot com
0: or you could hurl a flaming um piece of wood through our window with a note attached to it. <laughs>
2: Without further ado...
0: Send your anthrax, too. It's
2: time... Jeez, we're really going off the rails here. It's time for the uh, most anticipated segment of 2018, the 51st edition of the San Diego 7, featuring my co-host, Edward Theodore Kornhauser, and our guest, Sean P. Hickey. What's your middle initial?
0: It's Jay. I just thought, how cool would it be if your middle (laughs) initial was X or something? Anyway... uh. This is the San Diego Seven. These are seven questions we'd like you to answer from the top of your head Uh-oh. and the bottom of your heart. Number one, what did you listen to on the drive over here?
3: I actually, listened to Sunflower Sutra, like the poem, the recording of the poem, Like, right. like over and over again.
0: I was. I, I wanted to ask you about that earlier. It's um, the title is from an Allen Ginsberg poem. Did the the did the did that kind of his writing in some way? Sort of suffuse itself over all the compositions and the vibe of the record?
3: Yeah, definitely. There's something about, um, something, it, it really just the atmosphere, the feeling that a lot of his work brings that, uh, has inspired me and has shown up in a lot of my writing, Mo- mostly in Sunflower Sutra or Today Was Better. Those are two that I really feel connect with that the most.
0: Nice. Number two, what was the first jazz performance you remember watching? Um, or seeing on TV or the internet or something. Let's see. We live in this age.
3: I'm not, I'm not positive this is the first one, but this is the first one I remember. Um, I, I was in eighth grade, and um, we were doing uh, high school visitations. So I, I was at St. Augustine High School, hmm. and, uh, and they, they put on a show. And I actually ended up going there. But I saw their jazz band, and they, they heard all the eighth graders in, and they have this, this jazz band, and it was killing. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I want to do that. Hmm. And then I did that.
0: Nice. So jazz education works, people. Uh, number three, who do you feel is an underrated bassist in the jazz world? <sighs>
2: This is this is a tough one. Aren't all bassists underrated that, by that's, default? That, that is uh, that's true. It Comes uh, with the territory. That, is, that well, is a good point. What was that Tom Hanks movie where the didn't the bass player in that movie not even have
0: a name? Yeah, <laughs> the thing you do, <laughs> that guy. thing you do. He never has a name. He's just the bass player. <laughs> so and he's a really nice guy. I think he just doesn't get the credit he deserves.
3: I don't know. It's I kind of feel like bass players know all the bass players, and the not bass players don't know most of the bass players so what to me like nobody nobody's underrated like
0: Uh, to you to you yeah okay fair play no that, that works number four this is a classic would you rather sort of situation would you rather be able to eat anything you want and have it be perfect nutrition or have to only sleep one hour a day and be fully rested one hour a day really yes yeah
2: is that yeah is that even an option? Like, I would always pick the one-hour day of
0: sleep. And then you'd be, you, your days would be longer. You'd get more out of life. You
2: get, yeah, you get like, like a third more life. I think there needs to be a thirty-six-hour day, so you could sleep for nine hours, and then you'd still have twenty-seven left.
0: That'd be amazing. Well, See, just move to another planet. They have thirty-six-hour days there.
2: <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> what's next? Number number eleven.
0: Number five. This versus that. We alluded to this earlier. American based virtuoso Edgar Meyer versus American meat and cold cut company Oscar Meyer.
3: Uh, I, I'm, I'm vegan. How about that We're, we're going to go with Edgar <laughs> Meyer. That's
0: kind of a softball. <laughs> it's kind of, a, but he doesn't drive around a giant truck, look like a sausage.
3: I, but he is Edgar Meyer.
0: True. That's true. I secretly do want to drive the Oscar Meyer Wienermobile at some point in my life just because it's a ridiculous thing. <laughs> I really want it, want that. Uh number six, this versus that. Same thing. Electric bass guitarist and singer songwriter Thundercat versus nineteen eighties cartoon series featuring a cast of humanoid felines, Thundercats. <laughs> Thundercats. You going with Thundercats?
2: I'm going with Thundercats. <laughs> Thundercats.
0: I did I'm I guess I'm I'm not old enough to have actually watched the show while it was actually on because I think it ended in like 89 or something but and, and I was born in 87 but I do remember watching that all the time as a kid and oh, I always, remember it yeah I, I googled it yesterday because I, I, I always I never remember I watched all these shows I remember being a kid and not <laughs> knowing... watching
2: Thundercats the other day I, I, no, I,
4: no 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 I just
0: I, I remember when I was a kid not knowing that Scooby-Doo was you know a show from like the 60s and 70s I thought it was just current I didn't realize that until I was about like 15 oh, okay. or so I looked. I'm like, oh, this show's really old. I just thought it was current. I didn't
2: realize that when I was was 22 or so. Yeah, when I was in second grade, we we lived in suburban like Fairfax, Virginia, just briefly before we moved closer to DC. And what one of my big memories from that time is being in the basement and watching like the Adam West Batman, Thundercats, and uh, Voltron. (laughs) For some reason, that's burned into my brain. So now you know where my inspiration
0: comes from. Number, okay, s- number 8, n- number 7, and this is just is free form. Just do whatever you want with this. Oh. Oreo thins?
3: Oh, Oreo thins. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is this is free form. Just whatever you oh, want to say. Oh, they're great. Whatever you want to say. They're amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why people don't like them.
0: I know. It seems like they're they're cheating you out of cookie, but like really like the texture of the small ones are really good.
3: Yeah, and I think I think that is the the issue most people have with them. But but I, the, the texture is so good.
0: Yeah. Also, vegan. True. Yes, they are
2: vegan. If so- you want to hear more about Oreo Thins, you can follow Ed's other podcast, uh, The Food Science of Ed. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That was the 51st edition of of the San Diego 7. And once again, we're here with bassist Sean Hickey checking out tunes from his new record. And you can see some, uh, the record's not out yet, but you can see some video, what do we call them? Hype? Some video hype,
3: uh, hype <laughs> propaganda.
2: That's what I like to say. Video propaganda on his website, Sean Hickey. S E A N H I C K E dot com.
0: Yeah, your name could be spelled many different ways. So you're uh, on the on the hunt right now for a new upright bass. Yes, I believe you might have found it.
3: I I did. I've I've been searching for a while, and uh, searching for a base is really really tricky. Mm. Um, it's because so many of them are set up for classical playing, especially a lot of the old, really good ones. Um, and they're all set up for classical music. And so you yeah. play them and they don't, they just don't have that, that tone that you're looking for. And then you slap some chords on them and then all of a sudden it sounds amazing. But um, yeah, so it's, it's, it's tricky. And also I kind of feel like San Diego is a bit of a bass desert, um, but I was just out in the Midwest and there's so many basses. And I found that's one. Odd. Yeah, I, I I found one, and I, and I feel like uh, every home's got like next. three
0: or four of them just lying around.
3: Yeah, yeah. You just estate sale. Oh yeah, there's five bases. So I I found one, and I think that that's gonna last me for a while. And do you, did you bring it back already? I didn't bring it back already, and I'm, I'm in the process of getting it. But uh, the funny thing is, it's one of the cheapest bases I've I looked at during this whole thing. Actually, mm. probably the cheapest basis that I looked at during the whole thing. And that's another tricky thing about bases is they're all so unique and individual that the the price is almost arbitrary
0: you were telling me the other night that uh somebody at some point in the bases history had like removed the back and put on a plywood back
2: yeah so they just trashed the value of it but it ah. still sounds great so so maybe that gives it some of that sound that plywood back
3: no i mean I i'm not i'm i'd rather not you know have a plywood back i mean it is uh it is more weather resistant. It won't it won't be cracking too yeah. much. Not that that's too much of an issue in San Diego, anyways. Uh,
0: it can happen. I remember man, one you summer you do these
2: gigs right on the beach, yeah. and first your bass gets baked because you're starting at three or four p.m. And then by the time you do the eight o'clock set, all this condensation comes down Ooh. and sits right on your instrument, and then ruins it for a few days. I know, remember, I've seen that happen so many times. That sounds like an electric bass gig. There was yeah. one, there was
0: one dry summer I remember where.
2: Oh yeah, were, everyone's basses were cracking. Like jo- I remember that.
0: B- uh, Jody Hills, Ben Wanakers, and Ivana's. Ivana's, Har- yeah, all uh, Dave Millard, local luthier was working extra hard that summer to get his uh, to get everyone's stuff back together. Do you think that um having a new instrument will help you help shape your voice as both an improviser and a composer?
3: Yes. Uh my my current bass, uh I have some some pretty big issues with tone. On the lower strings as I climb up the neck, uh, so it it limits what parts of the bass actually sound good, and because of that, I haven't really practiced as much on those parts of the bass, which is limiting me as a player. Uh, so this is this will be nice because this bass is super even across the whole the whole fingerboard.
0: Oh great! Okay, well brilliant. Are you going to drive out there and drive her home?
3: Uh, no I, I i did that drive once i think that that's i think that that's enough uh, i'm gonna see if they can ship it but that's uh that's a nightmare in and of itself
0: yeah a little spendy yeah and uh i gotta ask this to a different different line you you finished uh, uh the music program at San Diego State mm-hmm. which the two of us also did go aztecs i guess uh <laughs> Uh, I'm very enthused. No, I love the music program, and I, and I owe it a lot. But um, you were considering, I believe, uh, going to grad school,
5: mm-hmm.
0: but now are kind of putting that on the back burner, possibly not going. Uh, what made you decide against that, for, for now at least?
3: Um, part of it was finances. Uh, part of it was just just realizing how much time I could have been practicing in school, but wasn't practicing because of school. So I, I decided to take the next stage of my life to just really, really hone in on my playing and my writing. And, you know, may, maybe grad school is in the future, but for for what I want to do, it's not really a necessity for right now.
0: Word. You've got gobs of time. Yep. Um, what are some of your current, like, musical goals right now?
3: Um, figuring out how to write those duets and right. finishing those up. Um, and then... I think the biggest thing is just getting getting my band going. It's um, I get so much work as a sideman that it's it can be hard to find motivation to do stuff with my own music.
0: Yeah, that's me in a nutshell. Not to not to just <laughs> pony off your answer there, but yeah, that is uh, absolutely me. Yeah,
3: yeah. So so I I have to take time just every day where I just make myself get the stuff done because otherwise I'll just be sitting on this album
2: forever. Nice. Well, we're looking forward to all your future. Recordings and please come back and play some more, but I think that's something that happens to everybody in San Diego. Like we're lucky enough in this town that there's some work, actually being able to make money playing jazz at mm-hmm. events or as sometimes as background music or sometimes as a feature. And once you start working, then suddenly you know you don't have as much time just to to do it for the you know for the love of mm-hmm. making your own music and booking your own gigs.
0: Yeah, I get so. I, I do probably about. Maybe five percent of my work is like playing original music. Mm-hmm. Probably less than that, honestly.
3: Yeah, it's it's kind of a strange uh, gigging environment because there are a lot of places that have jazz, but there's not too many places that are cool if you bring in your modern original stuff in. Right. Uh, so it's it's definitely weird trying to navigate that.
0: Well, I'm I'm stoked that you're setting the intention to like do that. You know, focus on that. You've got gods of time, and there's lots of great players here, and you can make it happen.
2: Yeah, and we're looking forward to your CD release. So uh, let us know when that is, and we'll definitely get you on our on the jazz calendar. We'll Give you do. Give the SD Sessions bump again.
0: SDSB. <laughs>
2: SDSB. <laughs> oh, man. So we. before I start rambling, we should take it out with uh, one last tune. Um, do you want to introduce this one, Sean? OK, yeah. So uh, this
3: tune is called Sage. And um, it was inspired by a camping trip that I did.
0: Well, you fell into some sage.
3: I, I, I did. So I made I made some kombucha that had sage in it. Oh and wow. I just I don't know so, something something about that memory. Just huh. uh, so this is this is a song inspired by a plant and
0: kombucha. When in doubt, sage it out.
1: Listening to the San Diego Sessions podcast brought to you by Dirty Boulevard Recording Company. Please subscribe now on iTunes or listen online at dirtyboulevardrecording.com. Theme music composed by Ed Kornhauser, performed by Ed with Grant Fisher guitar, Harley Magzino bass, Ian Tordella saxophone, and Charles Weller on drums. If you'd like to be a guest on San Diego Sessions, please contact us. All musical selections are used by permission of the artist. San Diego Sessions is engineered and produced by Ian Tordella at Dirty Boulevard Recording Company.